Welcome in to Solar Insights Podcast. My, I'm your host, Eric Sauer. We've got Dave King, of course, here to break down the amazing stuff that's happening in the A. Sorry, it's been a long time, everybody. Been a little bit busy, but I'm, this was definitely something that had to happen to uh, talk about these amazing acquisitions and how James Jones has turned around the roster for this exciting season. How are you doing, Dave? Oh, I'm doing awesome. You know, it's, it's going to be really interesting actually covering a team that is expected to win most of their games. Amazing. I don't even know how to handle myself. <laughs> I know it's like, what do I do with my hands? What do I? What do I do when we have <laughs> expectations? When not everything or any positivity is a feel-good story? Like, what oh do you do with gosh. yourselves? <laughs> we're not trying to. We're not hoping a, a 24th overall pick can be our point guard of the future. All of a sudden, you know, oh my. it's like uh, <laughs> actually having confidence at even at the in the deep part of the depth chart i mean this is the Uh, deepest team in forever it's the deepest team in a very long time very long time so uh, i want to just start our time here by zooming out a little bit um suns went eight no in the bubble a quite exciting time any uh quick thoughts on the on the bubble experience from your side oh the bubble was incredible so you know the bubble was unexpected Mm-hmm. And it was such weird circumstances with only 22 teams out of 30 going with some teams missing players because of COVID. Uh, the Suns, in fact, missing Aaron Baines because of COVID and uh, Kelly Oubre sitting out for other reasons. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the Suns just wanted to go there and play hard. They wanted to play basketball. They were focused. They were ready. And this got them away from their own lives and got them all the teams away from their own lives and into just going from practice back to the hotel, back to practice, back to the hotel, to play a game, back to the hotel. They they, didn't, they weren't living regular lives, and so they got to focus on basketball family. Mm-hmm. And for the Suns, that worked out extremely well because then Monty, had their, Monty Williams had their undivided attention for a few weeks, and they played very, very well. Missing two of their top rotation players, they still went 8-0. I know to this day people are thinking that the 8-0 was lucky and overblown, but (laughs) every team was playing other teams that were missing players. And uh, Portland themselves, who played themselves with a 6-2 record, got into the playoffs ahead of the Suns. They played some teams that were missing players as well. So, you know, I just think, we should be very proud of the fact that the Suns did go 8-0. And um, obviously the chemistry was so good um, that six of the top seven rotation players from Orlando are still on the team, even after all these moves. They've kept six of these guys. And um, let's see, Booker, Aiton, Sarge, Bridges, Cam Johnson, Javon Carter, and Cameron Payne, actually seven of the top eight rotation players from the, uh, the bubble are still on the team. And then they added a whole bunch of new guys. Yeah, they added a bunch of new guys. They And we all, it only went down to that one shot with Bro- Brooklyn against uh, Portland where he it was come down to the last shot. And if he just drives yeah. instead of shoots it, we probably get in. And who knows what happens then? Who knows what happens then? Because Memphis was on skates. I mean, they were – They were, uh, they were they so had injuries terrible. themselves. <laughs> I mean, What's obviously, Jaron Jones Jr. being out for some of those games, but my goodness, they did not play up to their... I mean, people were saying it was almost a lock that Memphis gets in. They didn't even get either yeah. of the spots? My goodness. Yeah. yeah. No, they, uh, they they would have lost to whoever 
got to face them in the play-in tournament. And uh, Portland was the one lucky enough to do that. The Suns could have, like you said, if Lavert had made that that uh, ill-advised jumper. I mean, mm-hmm. he had he had the lane. The whole he game. He had a bigger, <laughs> slower guy against him, and he decided to do a step back twenty footer. He had scored but in the paint okay. so many times that game. It was right. a crazy game. Every other, every other drive was into the paint to get a close shot. But for that one, I guess he just had a little bit of a panic and wanted to get the shot up. Or wanted to try to throw him off as if he was going to drive. But I'm like, you need a bigger fake than that. So they go away now in the be bubble. Than that. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> and also, the thing that was most surprising to me was Campaign and Javon Carter being so good at shooting. Like, the, the campaign 30 footers. You're just like, really? Okay. I guess it's the bubble, baby. uh, A shooting coach would never let him learn how to shoot like that. I know. I would never do that. I'm a shooting coach, and that is just not how you shoot. (laughs) But, I mean, he's he's elbowed the wrong place, the feet in the wrong place. But, hey, it works for him. It looks like he's shooting arrows. He's got a bow and arrow, right? He stands sideways. One arm, one arm out, the other one back, and he's just going, and those balls were going in. He shot over fifty percent from the three, the right? Thing is they're not relying on campaign to be a major contributor this next year. If he turns out to be a major contributor, great. But if he doesn't, that's fine too because they have a lot of depth. They really do. I'm, we're we're going to dive into all of it for all of you. Uh, Dave and I are going to knock it all out. And so the bubble was really exciting. We had just the the emergence of Cam Johnson being much better than we thought he could be, similar to the Booker emergence of hey, here's a shooter who, oh, wait a second, he's actually way better than we thought. Um, maybe not on the same level, right? But Cam Johnson going from, what do we think it would be like, the spot, he's like, we thought he was Kyle Korver, right? Um, or something. To, if we were lucky. If right? we were lucky. We're to, I don't know, okay, just point it out of my head, like Reggie Miller or something, I don't know. Um, and that's like just a thing, that's that's amazing. And so there's so much that came of that bubble. Um and really, one of the biggest things I want, I want you to comment on before we move to the, to the actual offseason was I would say that the bubble did the biggest to change perceptions of culture among national media. Would you agree? Oh, for sure. Uh, the Suns are suddenly spoken about, even before the acquisitions over the past week, the Suns were spoken about in glowing terms. They were spoken about in positive ways that, mm-hmm. the, that the culture had changed. Hey, man, there was another... Uh, it was just Monty Williams and the coaching staff and the players, and that's it. They literally had a bubble around them, mm-hmm. taking distractions away. Even James Jones wasn't there, yeah. I don't believe. Um, and uh, most of the front office wasn't. None of the ownership was. I mean, they had they had their own bubble, right? And uh, there was no distraction. So they got to have the culture that Monty wanted them to have. And they came through. And yes, I mean, after the bubble was over, um, Campaign and Javon Carter and uh, Mikel Bridges, I think mm-hmm. it was, all said, "Can I be sons for life?" Like, not really how the not really how the salary gap works, but sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and so that's it's just it's so awesome that happened. And what I mean, aren't you so happy that Monty Williams was the head of that? He's the oh, he's yeah. the one that was at the helm in the bubble because I'm not sure that happens with a lot of the almost anyone that the Suns have had as their coach the last decade. Now, um, I, I always liked Jeff Hornacek the most. Out of That's all what the I thought. Coaches. That's what I was thinking. 
But he was a little too laid back. I mean, I look, I'd still do a barbecue with Jeff anytime, right? I mean, yes. I'd, I'd do a backyard barbecue with him and talk for hours if I could. He's got a great family. He's got a great um, head on his shoulders. He's yeah. very personable. But he didn't have a total connection with the players that he needed to have and with today's players. It's like he expected more than they were ready to give, and he didn't quite know how to get that out of them. Mm. Um, it didn't work for him in Phoenix, ultimately. It didn't work in New York, but... Um, Can you get on with the Nets now? Is he on with huh? the Nets or somewhere? I forget. I thought I saw that he got fired somewhere. I forget. Uh, good question. I don't know. I, don't I know. hope I, he's back. In the I hope so, I too. Hope for his sake, he's back in the but it, anyway, um, he would be the closest, uh, but Monty really has that galvanizing factor to him. And the players all year, not just in the bubble, but all year said that they relied on him for their direction, for their motivation, for their focus. And uh, they, they really love playing for him. Absolutely. I'm really sad with the players we did lose, though. Rubio, Baines, and Ubre have some of my, been some of my favorite players since the second, seven seconds or, or uh, last Suns. And just really sad to see them go. Um, was tweeting that out. But uh, it's just necessary for team growth. Uh, based on salaries and uh, what the roles needed to be. Well, anytime you get a chance to acquire Chris Paul, who this is the first time the Suns have required have a, acquired a sitting All Star since when? Do you know when? I would. Did did Shaq count or no? Let's he see, wasn't a current. It was the year before. Okay. Um, well, then it's got to be like around Charles Barkley or something then. Charles Barkley. Last that's, time the Suns acquired in a trade a sitting all-star was Charles Barkley. And that's like 25 years. and so 25 a, years. Because Steve Nash had not made the all-star games immediately. And, of course, Steve Nash was an all-star before he came to the Suns. Um, as you say, Shaq, obviously, one of the best ever to play the game. They've acquired other all-star level players, but almost always in free agency, not via trade. Mm -hmm. um, so the key being the trade and the key being the prior year was an all-star season, 25 years. And Chris Paul really wanted to come to the Suns. Mm -hmm. That was and amazing. in an era where nobody really wants to come to the Suns and everyone trashes the Suns on the way out the door, for an all-world Hall of Fame level player who's currently an all-star, Wanting to come to the Suns to play with Devin Booker, that is, you can't turn that down. You just mm -hmm. have to do it. You have to do it, and, and they, they still did. didn't give up that much to get him. And what was it? It was Rubio, Ubre, Lequeux, um Ty Jerome, Ty Jerome, and a, a second round, a highly protected first round pick. Um, yeah. And that's that's plenty. I mean, that's you keep the top four, you still keep number ten, and you do that. That's you do that every day. Yeah, every day. No, that's it's it's really good and. Really, uh, he's got two years left on his deal. The second year is a player option. Of course, at $44 million, he's probably going to pick that up. <laughs> but in, you can imagine a world where he wants a little bit more security into his you know, retirement years. Mm -hmm. And if things go extremely well this year and he wants to stay longer, you know, you can imagine him opting out of that to get a new deal at a slightly lower rate over multiple years. Mm -hmm. But most likely is, is he's here for two years and then he moves on. Yeah, there's, um, yeah like in you that said, it's time, though, that gives you a chance to get Devin Booker the experience he needs to become the winner like mm -hmm. Chris Paul will teach him how to be. Because Devin Booker so badly wanted to be 
the leader last year. He just didn't know how because he'd only been on 15, 19 win teams. Yep. And you can, um, so he needed the he needed the example, and he got it out of Monty Williams. But now he's going to get it out of Chris Paul. He got a lot of it out of Ricky Rubio too. But Chris mm-hmm. Paul is much more in your face. And DeAndre Aiden's going to learn how to do even more of the right things. Um, you've got a lot of good guys on this team who will who care. And when Javon Carter's your ninth best player, maybe <laughs> uh, probably actually tenth or twelfth best player, but he plays so damn hard, he gets himself on the court anyway. Yep. That is a good. That's a great thing. Absolutely. And um, so we like those players that we left. We get Chris Paul. G, and he's because he's a better shooter than Rubio. He's oh by far the same passer right, so and, and way better defense. Was really good. Extremely well, better, well, probably comparable on defense. Rookie, Rookie, they're both a little bit slower of foot. Yeah. They both rely on their hands in the passing, getting their hands in the passing lanes. Probably at this time, they're about the same, although I think Chris Paul has a little bit more of a top end. Like, he yeah. had a lot of games, not a, at least a few games last year for OKC, one of them in particular against the Suns where he'll just kind of coast like three and a half quarters. Yeah. And then the last five minutes of the game, all of a sudden he's old, he's young Chris Paul again. Yeah. And he's, he's like, and he's got the strongest hands. I've, I've always hated playing Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. Always hated it because he would somehow get his hands in there and he's so strong that he could strip the ball away from you while you're holding it yeah. and not get a foul called. Because, because he's got the rep. The way he, because he, yeah, he knows how to do it. Um, and now we're going to love having a guy like that. Mm-hmm. I also always hated the other signing, Jay Crowder, because he's such a flopper. He's so physical, and yet he flops like crazy. Yeah. Like you, you'd think a tree fell, you know, uh, uh, someone knocked the tree down yeah. in a forest, and that's him whenever he gets hit when he wants to draw a charge. Yeah. Um, and he gets into fights. He's very feisty. <laughs> always gets into people's faces. But as a Phoenix Sun... He's going to bring an intensity to the Suns. That they're they, going to be feisty and a good defensive team. My goodness. Well, you got uh, Chris Paul. Obviously, is still uh, average to above average. You got DeAndre Ayton, who is growing into a very above average uh, backline defender. Mm-hmm. You got Jay Crowder. You've got uh, Bridges. Mikel Bridges. You got Javon Carter. You've got Cam Payne, who fights like a dog on defense as well. Mm-hmm. And even Etwan Moore and Langston Galloway Cam. are good defenders. The question is now, okay, what does Aiton and Booker become on defense if Chris Paul is there? <laughs> like, what does that become? Uh, on defense or offense? On defense. Well, on I guess defense. both. Well, but... well um, you just got more people who can cover for Devin Booker. Do you notice that we're not talking about Devin Booker being a defensive sieve anymore? It's he wasn't last he year. Ricky Rubio and Mikel Bridges on, on flanking him mm-hmm. this year. And this year he's got Chris Paul and Mikel Bridges flanking him to make him look better, cover for his deficiencies, let him, let him not. Although Bonnie Williams always praised Devin Booker for taking on, wanting to take on the other team's best player. Mm-hmm. Booker's, but Booker is good uh, in one-on-one where he's, he's guarding the ball, the but guy with the ball in his yeah. hands. He's not good off ball. He loses this guy constantly on backdoor cuts. Okay. So it's almost like a good defensive strategy to get Booker on 
the guy who's going to have the ball in his hand the most, hands the most, because then Booker stays focused. <laughs> yeah, and so I, I guess I'm also just saying, like, what does Chris Paul mentally get Aiton and Booker on a different level for defense, um, as we were thinking about that in terms of competitive fire with Jay and, and Chris well, Paul and Booker to Aiton? He's not going to let those guys. Well, I don't know. I, I think he's going to people are going to be very deferential to Booker, and I think they're just going to mostly cover for him. I don't see him getting in Booker's face. Yeah. I see. He, he wanted to come to play with Booker, yeah. not be Booker's, you know, uncle, or what do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm-hmm. a big brother. He doesn't want to be, he wants to be Booker's good big brother, not the mean one. Yeah, I, I see that. On the other hand, though, He's going to be all over DeAndre Ayton. Oh, yeah. He's going to be inside DeAndre Ayton's uniform yelling at him. Um, <laughs> just every time Ayton fades. And the good thing about DeAndre Ayton is he's really a really good learner. He wants mm-hmm. to listen. He wants to grow. Um, he does react, I think, more positively to positive reinforcement yes. than negative. And Chris Paul might be a little more negative than he's comfortable with. Whereas Aaron Baines and Monty Williams were about positive reinforcement. However, you've still got Monty Williams there. And you've got, uh, really, DeAndre Ayton is year three now. He's ready to hear some negative criticism Mm -hmm. more often. And Chris Paul will be in his face constantly and won't let him just fade sometimes defensively. Because when Ayton is focused, he's a hell of a defender. He's so good. Like so there's good. there's a possibility he's a top five center this year. Well, defensively. yeah, no, he um, even in the bubble when he was like, there's a lot of young guys who struggle in the bubble. Nobody noticed as much as well. Maybe in Oklahoma City they noticed, kind of like Suns fans noticed about Aiden. Aiden wasn't as good in the bubble as he was before that mm-hmm. when he was yeah. healthy and, and and going right. Sure. Like in the bubble, he was barely a double double guy. Yeah, his defense was great. Mm-hmm. His defense was very good. He's a big reason the Suns went 8-0 is because of his defense. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't really flashy in, in, in there because I think it just wasn't his element. His element is not being alone in a hotel room. He's very family-oriented. He, he loves being around his people, and it makes him feel better. And I don't think that was his favorite mm-hmm. environment. Um, whereas people like uh, you know Devin Booker and uh, Jamal Murray and all that, that really worked out well for them. Yes. <laughs> um, but if you notice, for the Oklahoma City Thunder, they were not as good in the bubble as they were before. Mm-hmm. And part of that was because Shea Gilgis-Alexander was not as good in the bubble as he was before. Yep. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought that was similar to the way DeAndre Ayton didn't shine as much. Uh, because when you're a young guy, especially the closer you get to playoff-level basketball, the more you want some other dude to do it. And now this year, Shea's going to have to be the number one guy in OKC. So we'll see how that goes. By far. But, <laughs> yeah, by far, right? Um, but I think... I think it's going to be it. It's interesting. People reacted uniquely in the bubble in ways they might not react later. Well, I'm curious to how like will Jamal Murray carry over his performance into this year? Will Donovan Mitchell? Was, I mean, they were they were trading 50 point games. Yeah. The question is, those two is, don't score 50. Yeah. Playoffs um, and then regular season. What's the difference? Do they are they consistent enough to build their teams up? Seeing as both teams got worse or I mean I guess the Jazz stayed the same pretty much but uh, well, yeah. they, the Jazz weren't so hot and then Donovan Mitchell kind of carried them and Denver 
was hot and cold, and Murray carried them when they were cold. So mm-hmm. I think, obviously, Denver made the conference finals, so they were mm-hmm. pretty darn good. But the Utah, uh, they had Bojan out, too, with his uh, – Bojan Bodanovich. Yeah, his, uh, they, they lost him. That would have made a difference for them, although they were kind of really bad defensively. And Bo- Bojan is a dude you have to cover for. He's, he's, he's worse than Booker on defense. So. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, no, it's interesting to see what carries over and what doesn't. But will, will the will the and you can ask the question: Will the Suns eight no carry over? And the thing is that James Jones James Jones is not relying on that mm-hmm. eight no to carry over. Yes, he kept those guys from the bubble that played well, but he also brought in really good reinforcements to make sure they don't backslide. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the uh, and it's very much about um like. It the culture carries over, but not necessarily the luck or the atmosphere. They're going to be playing the renovated, renovated uh, arena. Everything still with be, no fans. Still with no fans, but hey, that's maybe not a bad thing. Um, in terms you know, of, it's interesting. Some of those, a lot of those guys were saying shooting was so much better in the bubble because it was like playing pickup. Yeah, because there was no fans, and you always shoot better in practice and pickup. Yeah. And those guys, so. Uh, offense was incredible in the bubble and it'll go back to being it'll still be good if there's no fans next year it'll be go back to being normal when fans return and it's funny some players are better in front of fans yeah and some players are better without fans mm-hmm. and um, a whole different sport let me just digress just a second but a whole different sport if you notice golf no fans they're used to having a hundred thousand people a day you know following them around the course Guess what? All the veterans are losing tournaments to these 22-year-olds who aren't cracking under the pressure because there's no fans. So <laughs> golf, is their tournaments are getting won by the younger players instead of the veterans who know how to hold up under pressure from 100,000 fans ooing and aahing every mm. shot. So I, th- I find that That's fascinating. That really is. Oh, my gosh. That the guys who have won the tournaments this past year had never wouldn't have won them in prior years. Like a... I don't know. Um, I don't know all the golfers by you know very closely by name, but it seems like every tournament winner is under twenty five. For sure, yeah. Def- I mean, I totally agree with that. The uh, that that uh, paradigm would really for, for sure work. Um, in that, that's a really good point. The same for shooting and basketball too. Yeah, and it, a lot more shot. it feels like it's the same sense of almost like it divides people, right? Where um, stars shoot better on the road, role players shoot better at home. In the same sense, almost. Um, so let's go to some of these other people. Like, what do you think Ooh, about? That's it? another thing. Wait, wait. Oh, go you just mentioned that just made reminded me on Devin Booker has always better been better on the road than at home, right? Especially at the Celtics. <laughs> Especially when he plays in a in a in an arena with theater lighting and stuff like that, like right? The Knicks, yeah. So on the road, that means Devin Booker is really good under pressure, and you saw it in the bubble. That he was really good under pressure of they have to win every single game to have a chance at the playoffs, and he was focused every single game. That also bodes really well. So between Chris Paul and Devin Booker, you've got a couple of killers yeah. who want to win every game. That's why I'm so excited about the Suns. I'm not as I mean, Tuan Moore and Langston Galloway are not going to get the Suns in the playoffs. No. They're going to help not lose some dumb games in yeah. mid-year when you're trying to win with Elliot Kobo. Nothing against Ellie, but come on. And um, wave, right? but really, what's going to get you into the playoffs is Chris Chris Paul and Devin Booker. Did he only get waved or no? I thought he got waved. Yeah, he did. He got waved. He finally, so at least they won't be relying on him anymore. He's because I, he, I thought he was because I still see him on these some of these things I haven't updated yet. 
And I was like, wait a second. I thought, yeah, so it's, so it's Cam and It did survive Cam. until Tuesday. I know, that was amazing. Until yesterday, sorry. Until yesterday. yesterday. Um, so what do you think about, like, like Saric bringing him back? I think that was a big move. Well, I tell you what. I, I would not have brought back the backup power forward from the spring. But I really love the backup center, Dario Saric. Okay. I because, like because uh, obviously with Aaron Baines out and Sheck Diallo playing like he should not be in the league, which he's not right now, um, all they had was Dario Saric backing up DeAndre Aiden in the bubble, right? Mm-hmm. He played awesome. He did. He, because he could be a point center. He could like run. He could make things happen as the primary ball handler in some cases because um, Javon Carter doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. Campaign doesn't need the ball in his hands all the time. Dario made a lot of decisions and he's been talking all year that I mean he spent his whole life being a playmaker Mm -hmm. and I'm not talking just getting assists but being a connector, being a guy who gets the offense going gets the ball to the right place and directs people to get the ball to the next right place. Like the triangle like at the the elbows and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. And he was so good. That's the guy I want back. And it's perfect because James Jones saw that. And Dario is basically in the depth chart, the backup power forward again, our backup center mm-hmm. this year. Because the Jalen they have Smith. Jay Crowder for the power forward spot. And then Jalen Smith can really slide down to four. Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, we had an interview. We had a couple of different people talking about Jalen Smith. And then I heard a different interview on Fox Sports 910 about Jalen Smith. And what a lot of people are saying is that he really is a four and not a five. And his, his footwork issues are a lot coachable rather than um, uh, athleticism issues. Mm-hmm. So we'll see. He, I, but I see him more, I personally see him more as like a Miles Turner. You can see that. For better or worse. Great, uh, can, three, can shoot a three. On a on a you know pick and pop, and he can dive to the rim a little bit, and he blocks shots like crazy, and he can be a pretty good defender around the rim. That's basically Miles Turner. Yeah, for so, sure, and that can work, right? So they have they have the versatility that you need for a Western Conference team, playoff team. That's what they yeah. have. And that's what they needed. And I think because DeAndre does not feel comfortable being that pick and pop guy shooting the threes, even though he'll take some, he doesn't love taking them. So you put guys like Dario and Jalen Smith around him, and they can be the one who pops out to the three-point line while he dives to the rim for the offensive rebound. Because he's really good at that. (laughs) He's really good at that. When he's focused on going for the offensive rebound, he can get it from anybody. He just sometimes doesn't focus on going for it. Someone was going to – I saw one joke where someone's going to teach him how to box out instead of just like hanging around the rim. I wonder who that's (laughs) – I think – is that Jay Crowder or someone else? I don't remember. (laughs) I don't know, but I tell Smith. you what, um, he's so talented. He's doing all this without having the focus, you know, that other guys need just to make it in the league. It's amazing. One of the reasons I think people are so frustrated with DeAndre Aiden is just it comes so easy to him <laughs> that he didn't have to bust his ass to make it in the league like a lot of these other guys do. And so we love guys who bust their ass, like Javon Carter. Javon Carter shouldn't be in the league. Except he busts his ass every single play. But if he was always seven foot two six, you know, he wouldn't be that guy, right? You learn you have to be that guy when you're when you're under athletic. Yeah. And DeAndre 
it's just come so easy for him. So I'm, I'm looking, I'm hoping Chris Paul gets in his face and mm-hmm. focuses him up because I mean, it is just, it just comes so easy. And he, I mean, he's, he's, he's like record setting uh, for his age productivity. And yet yeah. everyone just craps on it saying he should be that much better. Yep. And he could. You could. A lack of potential or potential that is not re- realized is always frustrating for people. And then you can right. see it. And then Javon Carter, the best thing, I always love that one video where the ball goes in the backcourt. He runs 94 feet to go pick him up for no reason. <laughs> and then as soon as he crosses the half court, he just leaves it to somebody else because he had to go get his guy. But Never he just nothing. did. He just cared. Yeah. And then um, I love it. Mike Vigil, uh protected pick on, on, on Twitter, found a uh, a video that Javon Carter loved after that pick up 94 feet and he followed the guy and he kind of chased him all the way around <laughs> he found a dancing video of a pair of dancers that were doing pirouettes <laughs> with each other across the floor he's like Javon Carter playing defense and Play. Carter said it was the funniest video he'd ever seen that's amazing <laughs> oh my goodness here's a question how good do you think Mikhail Bridges can be this next year uh, you know, this is this is interesting to me, and let me let me preface this first. Mikel Bridges could be excellent. He could be um, anything he wants to be, but he doesn't think he should as an offensive player. Yeah, and so he he just kind of floats out there. He wants to pass it off rather than shoot it. Um, the first couple of games in the the scrimmages in the bubble. Yeah. He was suddenly aggressive offensively, and he was driving the ball with a hoop, and he was doing all this crap, and he was making all these great shots. And everyone was like, he has arrived! And then the real game started, and he's back to nine points a game. Because he just tells himself, it's not my job to score points. My job is to just defend on the other end, let these other guys have the ball when when we're on offense. And so he's as good as he wants to be. And what's interesting about that is DeAndre Ayton's kind of the same way and yet we crap all over DeAndre constantly, and yet with Mikel, and people are going to hate me for this when they listen to your podcast, um, <laughs> Mikel could try a lot harder offensively too, yeah. and doesn't. But we love him because he's so good defensively that mm-hmm. he makes up for it. That's absolutely true, but we don't give DeAndre the same credit. He <laughs> makes up for it defensively as well. It's just that he just has it so much easier than even Mikel. But Aiden's the uh, number one pick. Gonna, people hate that opinion. I've gotten into arguments. Oh, my God. Aiden's the number one pick, so that's why. <laughs> I mean. And, you know what? You're only the number one pick for five minutes. You I know. that, right? Yeah. No, seriously. After you get drafted, you're just an NBA player. And the fact that he has to always be. No, he's just picked. Yep. And he's either good or he's not. I also hated the other direction. He was a second round. He's the, what, Fred Van Vliet. The most money ever given to an undrafted player this week, right? In his extension, he got eighty-five million dollars. And I'm like, I don't care. He's an NBA player and he's really good. It doesn't matter that he was undrafted one day in his life. Yeah. What matters is that he that he got a good opportunity, he made it work, and he and he's obviously an excellent player. Same reason. I I, I don't think we should rely on hold people to their draft position that they didn't even choose. Yeah, or the opportunity. For the rest of their career. Because the opportunity that they didn't even choose, right? Like, some people drop on the right opportunity, right? Does, does Kawhi Leonard yeah. do the same thing with the Spurs that he does with the, if he's with the Pacers? And behind exactly. Paul George, like, like, it's just there. And then 
like for inflate well also the money thing is like hey, that's inflation like that's gonna happen for the rest of the time everybody's gonna have the biggest whatever whenever you wanted to or was it was it Kirk Cousins or someone that had the biggest QB money ever one time well that doesn't matter it just when did you happen to get your thing and yeah, when did the cap go up <laughs> within two years it's gonna get topped exactly yeah. I mean uh, we got I think the Dow Jones the stock market just hit 30,000 or something the other day for the first time ever yeah, because it's always going up. It's always going up. <laughs> Every year there's a record Dow for the Sometimes. last 20 years. <laughs> yeah, when you understand statistics, it makes them very awestruck by things they shouldn't be awestruck by. Yeah. Um, what so, you... yeah, oh. go ahead. So, um, back to Mikel. I absolutely love Mikel. He does work harder than DeAndre Aiden does. I'm not trying to imply that he doesn't work hard. What I'm trying to say is he mentally tells himself he doesn't have to work hard on offense. Mm -hmm. Because he's focusing on defense. He knows what his role is. He's happy with his role. He kicks butt in his role. And one of these days, hopefully, he'll turn it on and say, you know what? And be like Kawhi Leonard. I can drive. I can dribble. I can post up. I can I can not just do cuts and hope for a pass. Mm -hmm. And I can, I can be unconscious from three sometimes. And mm -hmm. it's okay. Do you want to see him put on weight? I don't necessarily think so. I've always... Personally, because of his long arms, equated him to Tayshawn Prince yeah. in my mind. Tayshawn never put on weight, but he was one of the toughest dudes in the league. Yeah, yeah I can see that. You get wiry strong. He gets wiry strong, yeah. Not the same kind of thing as Durant, because if Durant puts on muscle, he just won't shoot as well, and that's like his best thing. So. <laughs> right, right. But Tayshawn, I think, is a good... Because Tayshawn was never incredible offensively either. But yeah. you would argue he was... It was just as much a reason that they won a championship in 04 in Detroit as any other guy on that team. For sure. He totally did it all. And for Mikhail, it's like, okay, maybe your role with, with three other better – I mean, he's clearly the fourth best guy in that starting lineup. And maybe even the fifth if, you, if Jay Crowder's better than him, which I guess he is. No, but... I don't think so. You're right. He's fourth. He's clear fourth. I think he's clear fourth and everyone else is well below. Everybody, yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I can see that. Um yeah, just experience-wise and, and production-wise, whatever, but Jay might be there. But Mikhail's a better player and will be a better player um, overall. But it's like the thing of um, he could be that, but he's clearly the not 3-2 or 1. So he just like lets himself do that. And maybe that's kind of a good thing. But we need to have some games in the regular season where he's the guy. I want to see that. I don't want well, Booker and Chris Paul uh, to be the guy. Yeah, we need more than two. Like this past year, what did he have? He had that 28 points against Boston. That they won that incredible regular season game. It was January, I think. Um, yeah. And I think Kelly was out. Yeah. Um, and he made eight threes or something like that. Everyone's Six threes, gonna, eight threes, something like that. Everyone's going to make more than Booker, though. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I they love that Booker stat. bust the top off of the six threes in a game. I'll bet he ends up with... Uh, like the year that he decides that he can make more than six threes in a game, he's going to have like six games like that. And he's going to have like just 11. Blowing the top off. <laughs> if, if freaking Aaron Baines, which I was at that game where he did the step back, if he can have nine, nine as a seven nine footer threes. who never shot, Devin Booker, the best shooter and one of the best, he has a record in the three point contest, he could get in the 70 point game, he could definitely do it. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it's just it's just one of those things. It's a it's a statistical anomaly, and what's so funny is because I've, uh, we've all gotten so focused on it. 
there's been at least three times in the past two years that he had six by before the end of the third. Yeah. <laughs> and never made another. And we we're just pulling our hair out. It didn't matter if they won or not. People just wanted to see him make another damn three. I know. Let's get to seven or eight. Come on. And then he like sits a or something. Quarter. And doesn't even attempt one. He didn't. Yeah, there was a game. He didn't even attempt one and they won. And he did. The, he, he scored like 10, 12 points in the fourth. Yeah. But he never took a three because he knew they were looking for him to take a three. And he drove in and scored anyway. And they won the game. <laughs> and now we have to shift our expectations because we can't have that be the fun thing anymore. I mean, we can obviously have them. But now, now our expectations are to, winning. It's about winning now. So it's interesting, and he was accused of being a looter and a riot for years, and yet he would have—he was always about trying to win the game. Yeah, he he never tried to lose. Like that's ridiculous. Um, there was only the one game, and Earl Watson did it. That was the a seventy-point game, which hey, that's that's record keep record he was books. 20. He was twenty years old. You're gonna let your coach tell you to shoot. And also, they were like never winning any games. Like, who cares right. at that point? So he's just having fun one game. Yeah. Um, anyway, any uh, thoughts on Abdel Nader at all in that trade? Um, he was a rotational piece for OKC. Yeah. So we had Keith Smith on, mm-hmm. who is um, a national kind of NBA guy, but also covers the Celtics a lot. Uh-huh. And Abdel Nader played a couple of years ago for the Celtics. And Keith Smith said he's a perfect guy where he goes two weeks and you never you want to see him start getting big minutes. And then he has a two-week stretch where you never want to see him again. So he's very hot and cold. <laughs> At least he used to be. I hope he he's not, but we'll see. Against the Suns in the bubble. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the, I think it was the Thunder. Yeah, obviously it was the Thunder this past year. Um, when Chris Paul sat out in the second half and, and yeah. uh, somebody had to score. But he's generally um, – he's he's a basically an end-of-the-bench guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he'll, pay, he'll play above any of the other guys. It would be – in case of injury, he's a yeah. He's in case of injury guy, and that that brings us to the last couple of guys of of I'm really looking forward to what sounds like the point book minutes when Chris Paul sits, and you throw in more and Galloway, and Cam Johnson or whatever, and you just have yep. book and shooters and like Sarich or something. They've got the and horses gonna this year. Destroy people. That lineup is going to yeah. destroy people. That's the thing is I wasn't so worried. And obviously, James Jones is not so worried about having a strong back like we were all thinking that he would bring in a dj augustin type to george hill i wanted george hill so bad yeah and george would be very good as well uh but in the absence of that you can totally see james jones's plan his plan he didn't sign any passers yeah in the backcourt he he signed shooters who could make 40 percent of their threes so i think they do believe and i know monty was saying during the hiatus this past spring uh, he said he got a lot of time to watch film, and he was kicking himself that he didn't play point book more during the season. Didn't hear that. That's amazing. So, well, but then he got to the bubble and didn't play point book there either. So maybe he was just blowing smoke. Wait for the regular season. Wait for the regular season. We can try stuff. Well, I, I, I would not be surprised if Booker gets a, you know, ten, twelve minutes a game <clears throat> as the um, as the as point book with shooters. Because so, they have the shooters. They have the shooters. They have so many guys who can make 36-plus, 40% of their threes. Almost all of them. I mean, they got tons. Yeah. And then so they said that you throw that plus 32 minutes of Chris Paul to make sure that he's good for the playoffs. And what is that? So 32, 
That's well, I like... think he's going to do exactly what they did with Rubio this past year, which oh, is think? 28, 29 minutes. Okay. So not quite 30. Um, if I look at Rubio again, I'm pretty sure he was at 28, 29 minutes the whole year. So I'm just trying to figure and... out how many minutes that's for campaign or Devon. <clears throat> like yep, seven? you're just going to play those guys. And those guys will bust their butts defensively. And it might be a 0-0 score while everyone sits. <laughs> that's all you ever ask from the bench. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, Ricky Rubio averaged 31 minutes. Okay, 31 minutes. Um, that'll be about Chris, what Chris Paul will do. And then you'll have Devin Booker, like 36, the only right? point guard on the floor, for 5, 10, 12 minutes a game. And then you'll have Campaign and Javon Carter kicking people's butts defensively and not making turnovers mm-hmm. on the other end. That's their biggest thing is they, they, don't, they don't turn the ball over that much mm-hmm. when they are point guards, even if they don't get a lot of assists. Do you think so that do you think Booker should uh, have a cap on his minutes, like thirty six, or do you think it should be like forty? Oh, um, <clears throat> like because you got to make the playoffs. Thirty six. He was thirty five point nine last year. Thirty eight. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I'm fine with him playing thirty eight. Really, twenty three, twenty four. He's twenty four now. He'll be twenty four this year. He's fully grown into his body. I think 38 minutes is fine. Um, I don't know that they'll need him to do that. That's so true for a lot of teams. Like, when you're playing the Kings <laughs> without yeah. without anybody. <laughs> right, without well, end, they have a lot of they have a lot of shooting backups now. Like, last year you couldn't take Booker out because they couldn't make any shots. Now, you, if you just have somebody who can, who can pass the ball a little bit, and Dario Saric can also be your point forward mm-hmm. guy, um, then when those guys are sitting, when both Chris Paul and Devin Booker are sitting, which should be rare, yeah, <laughs> right. Usually you're going to trade those guys off, but let's just say Chris Paul's out again. Devin Booker's not going to be your starting point guard. They're going to put Campaign out there as the starter, or Javon Carter as the starter next to Booker, um, and you're going to get shooters. You're going to just keep subbing with shooters, and they're just going to they're going to be actually be able to make the threes. So, Whoever's on that night. <laughs> Whoever's on that night, right? If he's the first, first guy doesn't feel that has isn't feeling it, bring in another guy. They have such depth. You have it's like six nice of them. <laughs> very true. So now, where do you think that they're going to end up in the West? So we have some. So basically, Portland got better for sure. Lakers got better. Clippers probably got better. Uh, definitely got better. Um, Nuggets got slightly worse, but still probably I'm better. I'm not as sold on Portland as everyone else is. I think they made moves. But I think they're still capped out by the fact that C.J. McCollum is not really that number two guy. Like, the Suns' top two guys are better than Portland's top two guys as a twosome. Yeah, I can see that. Right? Dame is better than either Chris Paul or Devin Booker. Yes. Slightly. You could argue that he's on the same page, same level. But the Suns have both Chris Paul and Devin Booker. And it's a big drop-off to C.J., yeah, and I can see and it. then you've got a bunch of role players around them, and Yusuf Nurkic is great, but he's he's kind of like a DeAndre Ayton where he's not going to carry you. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna do dirty work kind of stuff. He's gonna make some defensive plays, but he doesn't carry you offensively. Do you think that? So they're still Damon company. Yeah, I mean, do, but, but do you think that their defense with Covington, etc., now this this uh, do you think that they're going to be good enough to make it, or is that or your just thing is about the offense? Well, 
Yeah, so they, their offense has to be better than their defense because their defense never is going to be great because Dame and CJ are not very good. And Enos Cantor! What's that? Enos and, and they got Enos? Jeez. Look, man, Enos Cantor was good for them for like the two-month stint he was there when because yeah. they signed him or acquired him when somebody got hurt. And now, if you got him a whole year as your primary backup, they're gonna, it, it's going to hurt because he's not that he's not good defensively. He's a he's a turnstile. Roll, yeah. Um, they can roll look, a double zero Portland's every time. Portland's going to be good. So you got the two LA teams. You got Denver, who's going to be good, although not quite as good as last year, I don't think. Yeah, Jeremy Grant. Dallas a big is loss. always going to be in the mix. What's that? Yeah, Jeremy Grant's a big loss for them. He was good. Now the question is, Michael Porter Jr. going to be good enough too, or what? But his defense is even worse. His defense is also turnstile. I mean, he's, he's almost like a young Ennis Cantor. <laughs> but he's way more athletic uh, than that. <laughs> what's that? He's way more athletic than Cantor ever has been. Yeah, but Cantor's so darn productive and effective. It's true. Uh, I would say then you've got Utah will still be there. Golden State will be in the mix. Will they, though? I mean, yeah, maybe. I think they'll be in the mix for sure. I think Golden State will definitely be in the mix. Okay. I guess I do have Wiggins. Uh, I don't know. You're not... You're not excited about them? I think they can make it. I just don't think that if they don't have Clay, that – and Draymond's going to be – he's just going to fall off a cliff. I think that they needed him, and they 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 got the benefit of the doubt from role players like Iguodala Livingston that people don't realize and haven't had the chance to notice the drop-off yet. Well, I tell you, you know, I don't know how many games into the season it was that the Suns played the Warriors. There's only that like game was amazing. Hmm? That game was amazing. <laughs> Remember when the Suns went up 30 in the first quarter? Yes. Steph was healthy. Yes. Raymond was healthy. And they were getting smacked by the Suns by 30 points in the first before quarter. Before these additions. <laughs> well, and before Steph Curry got hurt. Like, when he comes back this year, they're going to be back to basically what they were a year ago, getting smacked by the Suns by 30 in the first week as far as their stack of talent because they didn't have Clay then either. But they did have Dre. They did have Steph. And the Suns didn't have Chris Paul. <laughs> and the Suns are right. The Suns are even better now. So, But having said all that, it's still Steve Kerr. It's still Steph Curry. They'll be in the mix. But the Pelicans won't be in the mix, I don't think. I don't think they will either. I think Houston's going to have a tough, tough season. They have no depth at all. I think the all. Grizzlies are going to fall back a little bit. Yeah, I really think the Suns are in the top eight for sure. Yeah, there's a playoff this year, though. I hope they can make it through that up to the sixth year. Oh, well, I hope they. I hope they finish above. I think their goal should be to finish above the seventh seed, so they don't have to roll the dice. Because what? I mean, could it get any worse than the Suns missing the playoffs ten straight years? And then they get the seventh seed and they lose. <laughs> That would be so Suns, but I think I think six, so I think five six seed is exactly where they're going to end up, and probably what they should aim for. And the reason I think that I agree with you, and the re- I, and even maybe as high as four, the reason I think that is because Chris Paul took a worse Thunder team, by far worse, by far worse than this team. He didn't have a Devin Booker with him, and he took them to the fifth seed with just last year with probably a worse coach. I don't know. Um, the coach is probably similar, but really it, the talent around Chris Paul was not what he has this year. He has better talent around this yeah. year. So, and even though he's a year older, it's literally only two months ago. Like, it's <laughs> not like, cause 
usually NBA seasons are six months yeah. in between, right? Mm -hmm. So guys do get older <laughs> in between. They get but it's only rusty. been a couple of months. They're not even out of shape. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it starts on December first. We got seven days till training camps. Yeah, so I don't think Chris Paul is going to have a big drop off because simply not enough time has passed for him to have a drop off with. And he wanted. So, he's going to be so motivated because he wanted to play with Booker. Yeah, he wanted. He, he, uh, who was it? One of them, maybe it was Windhorse, said that it was a closed market. So I was about to say, yeah, he was like, okay, not taking any other offers, trade me there. <laughs> right. He wasn't gonna. He wasn't gonna. Yeah. When's the last and time that happened? You're the, for the when Suns? you're the head of the players' association, you don't let your team tell you who you're going to be traded to. <laughs> you tell your team. <laughs> Player empowerment. Um, yeah, yes. you don't let that happen. And uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's. When is the last time that happened for the Suns? I don't know. <laughs> well, it wasn't even. Uh, uh, has it ever? I don't think I mean, so. Really. <laughs> Steve Nash actually was just as interesting going back to Dallas as he was coming to the Suns. He got sold on the Suns by the money. Yeah. Um, Charles Barkley got traded to the Suns, but he wanted to go to a better team than Philadelphia, but he didn't exactly go Suns or bust. Yeah, he didn't say, that, hey, there's that player, I want to go play with him. Partly because that's not how the NBA was back then, but still. Yeah, this is the first time somebody has absolutely insisted on coming to the Suns. It's been pretty exciting. I love watching Suns games anyway. I think I bet you do as well. I just get so excited waiting to watch one and hear that music and the Fox Sports Arizona music and get ready to watch. But even now, I know that they're mostly going to win. It's great. And we compete. should be able to go into every game with the Suns on a good night can win. Yep. And that has not been some the case. games on a bad night can win. That has not been the case for a long time because they're so deep now. Like, they're so yeah. deep. I want it. I want an Aiton. Okay, here's the question: What's the most points Booker and Aiton are going to score in a game this oh, year? Together in a single no, game? No, each each game, each individual uh, high point. Oh, got it. Um, I think Booker will have a fifty night. Yeah. Um, and only because not because he shoots, he's like hunting for fifties, but there will be a game where he's just feeling it, and Chris Paul is the best point guard since Steve Nash on getting the ball to guys, yeah. he'll find a way to get Booker. So, so many easy shots, he'll get 50 points. I think, and I think for Asian, I think he'll have a 40-20 game. Um, you think so? That's I mean, tough, because he doesn't look, it's almost like saying, again, back to Mikel, it's almost like saying Mikel's going to have a 40-point game, which is like, what? He wouldn't even want it. But that's why we're that's why we're saying because if Chris Paul unlocks him, so it's possible. Yeah, that's true. If Chris Paul decides Aiden's gonna get forty, he'll get you're right. If Chris Paul decides Aiden's gonna get forty, <laughs> he'll get forty. Aiden has no say in the matter. <laughs> Aiden has no say in the matter. Chris Paul's gonna you died. I mean, he got Steven Adams eighteen points a game. And, and Steven Adams is not a real it's not a guy who creates his own shot. No, Steven Adams, which I love by the way, everything about Steven Adams, but like, but Aiton is so good. Like, I'll tell you the hot take that I always say on my podcast. It's my only hot take I've, like, ever had. And tell me if I'm crazy again. Like, you know me. I'm not a hot take guy. But this is the only one I got. And it's, I always lock and load it and shoot it all the time. I think that um, uh, Aiton, in 15 years, will have been better as an NBA player than Embiid. Yeah. Because it beats injury issues. Injury, and he's also not fluid like Aiton is. 
Yep, you're right. You're the only person who's ever uh, not said I'm crazy, but still. <laughs> no, no. Um, I think he. I think over his whole career, he. I. I don't disagree with you. Yeah. The I other, think he could have the better total career than than, than Embiid. I think the other one that I said that was that was I was right about. It's not as much of a hot take. Was I thought that. Um, I said during the height, this is like 2014 maybe, that I said that Chris Paul and, and Blake Griffin were never going to win MVP, either of them. And I think I've been right so far. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. I wonder. So, okay, question for you. Where does Devin Booker finish in the MVP voting? Like fourth, fifth? I think he's going to get a lot of votes this year, too. I don't but think I, any higher than that either. Yeah, but like but he's not going to be in the conversation by like right. someone who he like won't be in the right like serious people who can like like okay, there's 20 people who are in the conversation every year. That's not what we're talking about. That's not serious people. Serious people is who gets on the ballot, the one through five ballot. Now he's not going to be the one, two, or three, but he's going to be on a lot of fours and fives, some threes, but enough to get the fourth or fifth so spot. I say, if they're a yeah. what is it, a 72 season. If they're a forty-win team on seventy-two game season, if they're if they're a four to five seed, he'll finish in the top. Uh, you're right, four or five in the MVP voting. I think you said it perfectly. It won't be top three, uh, but he'll be in the top five if they are fourth or fifth seed. And Booker was was he averaging twenty-eight, seven, and five? Yeah, he'll be right around there again. Exactly. Yeah, and Aiton hopefully is like averaging what? Hopefully at least eighteen and twelve, eighteen and eleven. Oh, I think he'll, I think this year he's going to be twenty and twelve. Okay. And the only reason I say that is he was nineteen and twelve. He was this last past year until the bubble. That's incredible. Until the bubble, that was so underrated. That eight game stretch, he was nineteen and twelve over uh, well thirty five games. He only played thirty five games before the shutdown. Yeah. But um, amazing. He, was, he was 16 and 11 the year before. So, yeah, no, he'll okay. – I think he's going to be 20 and 12 this year. Um, or more. Pretty easy, yeah. and people are still – and um, a contender for all defense. Yeah. And I think people will still crap on him. Every like time. all defensive second team center or something? He'll be he'll be in the conversation. Like not Anthony Davis or whatever, but yeah. He should be all D team. Right, not, not – not player of the year, but I mean, uh, among the all defense yeah. contenders. Like, like there's always they do it by like center one through five, and he's like the second team center or whatever. Yeah. If he can block enough shots, and really, it's not, of course not blocking shots, but more adjusting shots. Well, what's going to become more and more obvious is how well he can defend on the perimeter, and sure. very few bigs can do that. Like, you know, we talk about oh, he's got to be able to slice feet, blah blah blah, and these these prospects, these draft prospects, like mm-hmm. Jalen Smith, for example, mm-hmm. can he switch on the perimeter? Well, none of these seven footers can switch on the perimeter. When was the last time you saw Miles Turner switch on the perimeter? The Jaron Jackson does, but he fouls like crazy. He fouls so much. Um, Embiid doesn't switch on the perimeter. Nobody Embiid doesn't even go to the perimeter. perimeter. <laughs> Stephen, yeah, Stephen uh, Adams. Oh, they all do drop coverage. Use of Nurkic. Nurkic. Brooke Lopez. They all do drop coverage. Brooke Lopez was one defensive player of the year just playing drop coverage. <laughs> right. Rudy Gobert cannot defend on the perimeter. Only and drop still coverage. still one defensive player. Well, Giannis with his – I mean, you think Giannis will MVP again? 
Two years Unfortunately for him, no, because now the tide has turned and he's no longer the darling. Yep. It's so narrative driven. What have you done for me lately? You've lost in the playoffs two years in a row. It's so narrative driven. Um, yeah. Someone, someone threw, threw the idea of Steph again out there winning MVP. Uh, he might because he, cause everyone's going to feel bad for him having missed a year. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It is so narrative driven. And I, for that reason, I don't think Giannis will ever win another. Well, for the next two or three years, won't win yeah. another MVP. Okay, let's do the last last thing here. Let's think of a couple other awards that some Suns players might win. Um, do you think Saric or someone can win Sixth Man of the Year? No. No, six Men are always guards. Except for last always. year. Montrez oh, yeah, Harrell. Montrez. <laughs> but then by the end of the bubble, Montrez was totally out of Yeah. Okay. Terrible. Um, terrible. Uh, most improved uh, player? What's that? Most improved player of the year. Any of them can win it? Yeah, I mean, you could, well, uh, we could say eight. Um, it's all, yeah, that one's more, not even narrative driven, but it's like a year later. I, I wrote, I used to write articles and uh, obviously, and uh, the CJ McCollum year was funny because it's not that anybody, any of them necessarily get better. It's they get a better opportunity. Like yeah, the year right. CJ McCollum won it, it's just because he started finally and he was right. already good. <laughs> Yeah, I hate that. Um, I really don't like second-year players getting it. Yeah. Because it that's that's just guaranteed you're going to be better in your second year. No, and, you won't. Um, and it's opportunity bump, it's role bump, and all that. So now uh, let's see. All defense. I all say defense. I would guess that Suns have at least one all-defensive player oh, between yeah. Bridges, Aiton, and uh, Chris Paul. One of them's got to be, and maybe two and. I guess it's possible three, but I doubt it. Unless they're like the number one defense, which I doubt. But I think they won't. Yeah. You think they'll be like the seventh best defense in the league? I, I, I think they'll be a top ten offense and a round ten defense. That's I my, can see. I can see that. Without thinking about it. I think they might be better defensively slightly, but that's good. Um, well, James Jones winning executive of the year, probably right. <laughs> oh, there you go. I tell you what, man. If the Suns get in the playoffs. With a legit playoff appearance, uh, he will win Executive of the Year, I think. Not sure they're going to let Monty win Coach of the Year, though, because of the influx of talent. No, that's another narrative thing. It's yeah. always about, like, okay, who won the Coach of the Year this past year? Wasn't it Donovan? Donovan in, in OKC? No, it was Nick Nurse. Was, no, I think it was. I think it was tied, right? Didn't they win Co? Oh, they probably the problem. No, it was Bud Holzer and Nick Nurse probably, or something like that. I, I don't think Budenholzer. I think you're right. It was Billy Donovan. Billy Donovan, and then he and got fired. Nurse shared it. I think that makes Billy sense. Billy Donovan's out. It's the kiss of death. <laughs> it's a kiss of death. So I don't want Monty to win it. No, Monty's too good. Be gone a year later. So I think that's probably all of them, right? I would say um, I think there's a pretty good again if the Suns win, like we think they're going to. They'll have two All Stars because Chris Paul is just a emeritus. He's going to get it every year. Devin Booker will get voted back in. So that'll be mm. two All-Stars. You think they with the injuries? You think, you think there's a – I mean, you think Harden or Westbrook take a, a step back enough that they could – Yeah, make... Westbrook's not going to get it again. No, he Another won't. narrative thing. There's no way. So his his narrative was that he deserved it again this past year when he didn't. He didn't. And his decline for athleticism is going to come start coming. Yeah. Uh, James will get it, of course. Yeah, James will definitely be in. James, Doncic, and Steph – 
Booker, For sure. Booker, Chris, and uh, there's no other really guards in the West. Um, yeah, we're forgetting a couple. Oh, Lillard. But, yeah, Lillard, and then there's Donnie Mitchell as well. But Booker um, will make it over Donovan Mitchell now. I would think so, but we'll find out. We'll find and then, out. of course, you know, depending on what uh, Jamal Murray does this year. Yeah, there's something there. But... I think he was solidly below all-star level, Jamal Murray, until the bubble. And then yeah. the bubble, he had those 50-point games, so we'll see. I see that. Well, this was fantastic. Do you have any other final thoughts? Uh, no, I'm just looking forward to the season and having a reason to actually be excited about the Suns consistently. Pretty excited. This was a really good uh, walk down memory lane, get back in the swing of things. I think I'm going to start doing some more of these as my, uh, my I'm doing my, doing my MBA for those who don't know and uh, uh, coming down, winding down here, maybe have some time to pick it back up again. I got a couple people on the horizon to add in. Uh, check me out on solarinsights.net uh, and Spotify. Thanks again for Dave for coming on. Knew we had to knock it out again. Uh, thanks so much, Dave. Uh, check out Dave. Yeah, uh, it's at Dave King NBA, right? Yep, at Dave King NBA on Twitter. Brightsideofthesun.com is the website, and Solar Panel is the podcast with uh, with Espo and uh, Saul Bookman, Alex I believe. Saul Bookman, yep. And Fox Sports Arizona stuff. I was yes. so excited for you guys to get the opportunity, and uh, we'll talk to you guys all later. Thanks so much for listening, and uh, have a wonderful night. All right, thanks. 